Could I have the kids come up here and help me with the message here? All right. So we're going to be in John chapter 7. John chapter 7. And... One of the verses that stuck out uh, in this passage, kids, was John 7, uh, 12, and um, it just made me start thinking about um, the word in some translations, they, they translate it um, to be led astray, plane, and it comes from planao, and it means to, be, to, to lead people astray, but it talks about false teaching or deceiving, and they were wondering about Jesus, if he was a good man or if he was leading people astray. So I have a question. Let's see. Let's try to get this figured out, right? Okay. So let's say, let me grab my, my props here, kids. Let's say here... See what if you know what these are, right? You you know what it is? What is it? It's a hammer, right? Good. And this is pliers, pair of pliers. And it's a hammer, yes. And this is a now. Okay, so what if? I like big hammers too. What if? I tried to convince you that this was a hammer. Huh? Okay, let's all pretend. This is a hammer, right? And this is a pair of pliers, right? Okay, yes, you're right. This is a pliers. This is a hammer, right? But let's say, what if, what if somebody tried to convince you one is the other? And it wasn't just the name, Right? It was what it's used for. So let's say, just pretend with me for a second. All right, I need a volunteer. All right, all right, come here. Hope, Lily, I'm struggling right now. Which one are you? Hope, okay, I was right to begin. Don't doubt yourselves, okay? So I'm going to set this on the ground, okay? And with this hammer... You're going to try to nail that in. So I got two nails sticking up here. You're right. You're right. Good. Let's see how she does, though. If she thought this was a hammer, okay? Okay, you can do it a little bit, right? But is that what it's made for? No, that's just silly, isn't it? That's just silly. Now let's say, let's say... Okay, you can sit down, Hope. I need a different volunteer. All right. Come up, Lindsay. Okay. Now, this is pretty tight. Let's see you use this pair of pliers to loosen that up. <laughs> you rather... Try your hands, okay? Try it. It's a lock nut on the end, so if, if you're pretty strong if you can get it. Now, okay... So, what she needs, well, the best thing would be a couple of wrenches that are right size, but a lot of times we cheat, and that's what pliers are for, right? Now, let's see what happens if she used the right tool for the right thing, and they're called by the right name, right? 
She's going to just try to use one, one pair. It's pretty tight. So, and all right, you're, you got to teach your sister what pliers are used for. Okay? Yeah. All right, here. I'll let you. Okay, yeah, it's pretty tough. You have to have big old fat mitts. Okay? So I'm going to cheat a little, okay? All right. As long as somebody doesn't step on those nails, we'll be good, right? Now, here. See, you want to see the hammer? So, oh, wait, he's talking to me? See, now. Can you hammer that? You could get it done, couldn't you? You're stronger. Just one, just once, because I don't want to go all the way through and into the floor. I'll get in trouble. There you go. See, you're using the hammer for the right thing, right? Yeah. So the idea here is this is just a little silly, right? When somebody comes along and says, hey, no, these are, this is a hammer and this is all you need to nail your nails in, are they leading you astray? Yeah, are they trying to deceive you? And that's kind of silly, right? But in life, kids, there's a lot of people that will try to deceive you to think what is wrong is right and right is wrong. They're going to try to lead you astray. And to lead astray is also, you know, when I was a little boy, I followed our dog all the way up to the South Loop River, which isn't very big there by Gandhi. The dog was leading me astray. If you follow the wrong person or thing can lead you down the wrong path, which is very good or bad? Bad. And so John 7, 12, and and so these chapters we're going through are kind of hard to keep up with, okay, kids? And so I'm just trying to help you see what is some things that you can grasp and understand. This is right or wrong. Okay, John 7, 12 says... There was much grumbling among the crowds concerning him. They're talking about Jesus. Some were saying, he is a good man. Is Jesus a good man? What do you think? Yeah. Okay, some were saying he's a good man, but if we just think he's only a good man, is that right? Or are we kind of deceived a little? But now here's the other thing. If he's just a good man, he can't be just a good man. Others were saying, no. On the contrary, he leads the people astray. So they were saying that Jesus was the one trying to deceive others or lead them astray. So who who was right? He's a good man or he leads people astray? Either one. Yeah, but is that all? Okay, so kids, think about that. This, if Jesus is just a good man or just a prophet, and then he says that he is God the Son, equal with the Father, is he still a good prophet? If he isn't, if he isn't, he's a bad, he's crazy, and he's not good. But he is God the Son, right? So he couldn't just be a good man if they weren't willing to believe that he is God the Son. Does that make sense? Is that a lot, lot there to think about, right? And then others were saying, no, he leads them astray. Why would they say that he leads them astray? Do you remember what we've talked about recently? Or what are some things that Jesus said about himself? And what are some of the things that Jesus did? Anybody help me? 
You're starting to think, we've been up here a long time, let's just go back. <laughs> right? Okay, so he did a lot of miracles, he healed a lot of people, and then he talked, he talked and taught people about the Father, and he told them about who he is. And Jesus is God the Son, and he is the Son of Man, fully God and fully man. With There's a lot of prophetic... Um, this is too much for them. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of prophetic fulfillment in those two names. Okay, so what I want you to understand is if someone just says, hey, Jesus is just, he was just a prophet or just a good man, they're wrong if they're, because they're incomplete in the reality that Jesus is who? He is God. Yes, good. And what did he do? Died on the cross for us. Okay, let's pray. Lord, I just thank you for these kids, and I, I ask, Lord, that you would help them to see what is truth and what is lies, what are lies, and Lord, that they would follow you and help others to see how great you are, Lord. We thank you for them, ask that you guide and direct them and help them to grow up to know, love, and serve you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, kids. As you go back, I just want you to listen from your seats just a couple more things here, okay? You can go back. And so, when we go to this passage, if you would turn there with me to John chapter 7. And John chapter 7, and there's another passage and a lot more um, that I was going to talk about here because it's interesting with this lead astray. If you go to Hebrews chapter 3, there, it's, it's just fascinating um, because when you look at some of the things in the Old Testament and from Hebrews 3, 7, it talks about the Israelites verses 8 through 10 especially, and then you go back to Numbers 14, they, they had all this evidence. Just as Jesus had given the Jews uh, and the people there in Israel all this evidence by his miraculous works, God had done miraculous works in the Old Testament, and they just did not believe. And then when the 12 spies went into the land and then came back, they would not believe that God would provide for them to conquer the land and go into the land. And so they themselves, they were saying, oh, you're leading us astray. But you know what? God says, you know, if you think I'm leading you astray, I will lead you around, make you wander in the desert for 40 years. You think I'm trying to lead you astray? Well, we'll just lead you around, make you wander in the desert for 40 years. It's interesting, kind of a little bit of a play on words there. But here we go, and when we look at this passage in John, the Gospel of John, we see this challenge for people to say, Jesus is who he says he is, and do you believe? Okay, kids? Is Jesus who he really said he is? I mean, it's just plumb silly to think, hey, this is a pair of hammer, or this is a hammer. Whoops. This is a hammer. <laughs> When it's not, right? Or even if we say, take the word out, okay, you say, okay, well, you know, you could call it a hammer, but know that it's used not to hammer things in. Okay, let's say someone tries to convince you that it's used to hammer things in. It's just silly, correct? People try to lead others astray all the time. And, and what I want you to understand here is that we need to believe that Jesus 
is the Messiah. He is God the Son. What he said about himself was proven through what he did and how, he, and how God made it that he fulfilled the prophecies as well. And so we're going to come back and just briefly look. I'm not, I'm not going to make you stay here for a long time, okay? I've entitled this yet again because we see in chapter 4, chapter 5, chapter 6, the challenge, especially five in chapter, chapter 5 and chapter 6, the challenge that Jesus is the bread of life. Right? Jesus healed on the Sabbath, and we see that come up again in chapter 7. But he is Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus is who he says he is. And Jesus bravely does what the Father wants him to do in this passage. It could be a little confusing when you begin to look at it. Um, and his brothers are coming to him and say, Okay, come with us, to, and we're going to go up to the Feast of, the Bo- of Booths. And because it was near, we're going to go up to Jerusalem, you come with us. And Jesus says, no, I'm not going to come up with, that, with you. But then he comes up, with, comes up into Jerusalem and he begins to teach. And the reality is Jesus was wanting to do what the Father wanted him to do. It wasn't the right time. It wasn't the right way to go to Jerusalem. Okay, there's, there's pro- more things there. But here we need to understand that Jesus did everything in accordance to what God the Father wanted him to do. And I just wanted, if, if you would take time, so in the bulletin insert, okay, I gave some, some verses and things, because parents, I want us, and, or brothers and sisters, I want you to go back and kind of contemplate the silly little illustration this morning and the passages and how they apply as we get closer to Easter. And so I try to put a bulletin insert for parents to kind of talk through both teenage and young kids about the reality of who Jesus is and how we should stand firm while many reject Jesus yet again. So in this passage, we find, and we can focus on, there is belief, but let's also focus on the two main um, responses to Jesus. And the first main response to Jesus is violent unbelief, and this begins at the very beginning. After these things, verse 1, Jesus was walking in Galilee, for he was unwilling to walk in Judea because the Jews were seeking to Kill him. Kill is violent. To kill is to be violent, okay? So there's this unviolent, or there's this violent unbelief which exists despite all the evidence from the chapters before, from what Jesus has been doing. And I want to challenge you to see, and we could use a lot of illustrations, I believe, in our day and age about how people don't follow the data or people don't follow what's real or believe what's really happening, right? It's nothing new. Jesus had given them so much evidence. And so, you know, to be deceived is, is to not believe in what is true when what you think doesn't line up with what is real. 
And this is a hammer. And we could call it whatever it is, whatever we want, but it hammers things into nails, hopefully, right? Into wood or whatever it is, a stake into a ground if we got a bigger hammer. People see that and they try to use it as a pair of pliers. It's just plumb silly, right? Barrett, right? Just silly. And we see it happening all the time today when people, what they think doesn't align up with what is actually real. They have been deceived. And their stubborn unbelief in this passage, if you go through it, verse 1, verse 19, it leads to violence, okay? Stubborn unbelief. Also, and maybe we should put that above, but starting at verse 1, it's filled with hatred. Look at verse 6 and 8. So Jesus said to them, My time is not yet here, but your time is always opportune. The world, and there's more to this, okay, but we're just blowing through this real fast. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify of it that its deeds are evil. Is there still evil in the world today? I mean, we are so silly, aren't we, to think that, hey, we don't have to think something bad like World War I or World War II will ever happen again. You know, we have evolved so, so far, right? Another nation will not move on to another nation with atrocious weapons or weaponry or overmanned battleships, or overgunned, that is. You know, reading about this one weapon they're bringing in that people say if they use it, that's a war crime. Yeah. You know, there's bloodshed everywhere in the world today, and we just, we just don't know about it. We don't care to think about it. I really don't care to think about it most of the time, do you? It's not just in Ukraine. Is there evil in the world today? Absolutely. Is there sin? Yes. We have people in the United States say, oh, or in Western European nations, oh, it's not that bad. We've evolved so far. It's never going to happen. But Jesus knew what was going on. His, His brothers had some unbelief here, and we'll talk about that here in a minute. But, you know, it goes through here, and the question, why? Why do they hate him? Because Jesus tells the world that they are evil. Because he has, has confronted sin. And the main sin, when we look at John, is their unbelief. That's their main sin. They were religious, especially the Jewish leaders, but they would not believe, even though they knew the Scriptures that pointed to Jesus, that He is the Messiah. And so in verse 30, John 7.30, and yet again... In 744, they sought to seize Jesus. They sought to seize him. Look at verse 32. Why did they seek to seize him in verse 32? Because the Pharisees heard the crowd muttering these things about him, and the chief priests and the Pharisees sent officers to seize him. Well, what were they muttering? Look, well, we have to jump up back up into verse 31. But many of the crowd believed in him. And they were saying, when the Christ comes, he will not perform more. Hey, remember last week, the word, one of the words I pointed out? Signs. 
So they're saying, he will not perform more signs than those which this man has, will he? No. What kind of belief did they have, though? Was it full belief in Jesus? Well, a lot of them still believe that he's just a a prophet. Look at verse 40. But here, the first, first response is violent unbelief exists despite evidence. And we can look all around and see how our world is this way today, despite the evidence. They don't believe in the truth. Not only that, but unbelief is common. Yet still, even though it's common, it is still rejection. John 3.16, we, like, we love that verse, right? Jesus, John 17 and 18, Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn the world. Why? Well, the world was condemned already. To not believe in Jesus is to remain in your sins and to choose not to believe. That's a choice. It's a choice to not believe. They were confronted with the reality of who he is. And in verse 2 through 5, Jesus' brothers did not believe. In verse 27, people thought they knew Jesus wasn't the Messiah because they knew where he was from. Oh, he's from Nazareth, or he's, you know, well, he was, but he was born in Bethlehem. He was from, Jesus proclaims in 7, 28 through 29, he's from the Father. Yet again in John 7, 41 through 43, this became the reality of who Jesus is became divisive. But friends, family, church family, remember, unbelief in Jesus is is true deception. That's what's deceptive. So we go back to John 7, 12, and they're like, oh, he's a good man. Well, no, he's not. He's deceiving the people. Well, if he is not the Messiah, then he was not a good man. If he was not the Messiah, he was wrong in his thinking. Unbelief has no conviction to stand. If we have weak belief, it's okay, she's so cute. No, you could, take, you could get her, I don't care, whatever you want to do. <laughs> they need something better to look at than me. She can play with those, I'm, as long as she doesn't pinch her, pinch her fingers, right? Um, but unbelief has no conviction to stand. I would say weak belief has no conviction to stand. And the question is, where do we stand? Where are our kids? We want them to grow up to know love in Jesus Christ. Where do you kids stand? Are you spending time? Kids, hey kids. Oh, hey everybody, look at me. Kids everywhere, do you love Jesus? Do you know what the Bible says? It is your parents' responsibility to teach you, but you can read the Word of God, and you can grow in Jesus. Are you ready for life? No, I'm a kid. But we want you to be ready, okay? So study God's Word yourself. Memorize those verses. Okay? And unbelief, unbelief or weak belief does not help you. You will not have the conviction you need to stand. Unbelief is unable and often unwilling to see the evidence again, right? I want you to see that reality, that truth. John 7, 40 through 44, there's a whole bunch of verses in here I've kind of skimmed over. But 
you know, in John seven thirteen, the reason I said that does not have the conviction is because in verse 13, yet no one was speaking openly of him for fear of the Jews. So they had this, this debate in verse 12, but they were worried. And the Jews in this passage is the religious leaders. It's used derogatorily towards them because they should have known the word of God. They should have been true Israelites, but they were not. And so here they are the ones who are seeking to seize. They are the ones seeking to, to kill Jesus. And so for fear of these religious leaders, the one, the upper class, maybe we could call them the elites. <laughs> Do we have problems with elites today? I don't know. Let's, let's not talk about that. Um, and so they were scared and they did not have the conviction to stand up and ask questions. Unbelief is unable and often unwilling to see the evidence. Just remember that. So where do we stand? Do we love Jesus? Was Jesus just a good man? Was He? Did Jesus lead people astray? If you believe and you are walking and growing in Him, then you will stand firm in Him even when it's not easy. And standing firm, kids, adults, it will mean that we are willing to talk to others about Jesus. And I fail in this too. It's easier just to talk about different things. It's hard to turn that conversation to spiritual things. Especially if you're in a hurry and you're hungry. Still, it's no excuse even for a pastor, right? Opportunities come at sometimes um, difficult times. James five nineteen through 20. My brethren, if any among you strays from the truth and one turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save his soul from, from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Now this is, you know, speaking about a couple different things, but when I, you know, think of this passage, it reminds me even for the lost that we need to point them to Christ. Don't give in. Don't, don't let people tell you sin is not sin or a hammer is a pair of pliers, okay? Don't let them. Stand firm. Stand firm. There will still be many who reject Jesus again and again. But stand firm and live for Him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we we thank You for this time. And I thank You for Andrew and Megan knowing that they've had a difficult time, but they still want to follow You, Lord. So we ask that You give them the strength. Give them the, the wisdom as they seek to do so. And for us, all of us, including Andrew, and Megan, help us to stand firm, that is, live for you daily, even if we face great difficulty. It may not even be persecution. We understand. Sometimes we think, well, it would have to be persecution, but Lord, help us to see it could be everything in our life that comes at us. It could be our health. It could be finances. It could be just the busyness of life. So Lord, help us to see and the, the decisions or the path that you want us to take regardless of what's going on. And help us to be people who have the insight 
and the willing or the sensitivity uh, to do as you prompt us to do. That is the insight to do what you want us to do, and as you guide us, that we would be very, very sensitive to your leading, and that we would do it. Um, in these difficult days, Lord, I pray that everyone here understands that we have a great hope in you. Regardless of what's going on, your, your plan, your purposes stand, and you are doing a great and mighty work. And so while we see a lot of scary things, help us all to so see the many, many great things that you're doing and the many great opportunities that are before us today. Lord, I ask that you would help us not to lose heart, help us to be strengthened, Help us to know when and why we are to stand firm. In Jesus' name, amen. We have some youngsters come forward to take up this morning's offering. And I would like to remind you that we have some baskets in the back there for for our missionaries, Andrew and Megan.